What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Time to check in with our city manager, DeCarlin Seawood, for the uh, month of December and kind of do a year in review conversation, among other things. Good morning, DeCarlin. Good morning, David. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I appreciate you waiting patiently there as we uh, took care of some bills and all that. And as we are coming down the home stretch of the calendar year, I kind of want to reflect back to your State of the City address back in May, where you did emphasize uh, compensation and staffing being a focus of uh, the upcoming year. And then we had some developments happen this week with the City Council. And now all of a sudden, paid family medical leave has become a reality for Columbia employees. So uh, kind of what you were hinting at back at the State of the City address, and uh, now it's manifesting. Yes, sir. And, and that's, that's big, uh, one of our biggest goals is just to make sure that we show our employees that they're appreciated. And providing good pay, good benefits exactly does that. And so the uh, what was approved, uh, the details of the family paid family medical leave, um, what can you tell us about that? The benefit takes effect when? It takes effect uh, January 7th. Uh, what it will do is it will provide our employees who who qualify for FMLA six weeks of paid FMLA, FMLA leave. And so they don't have to dip into their sick leave or their vacation time for those emergency medical procedures or issues. Was there any uh, opposition to the idea? I, I don't think there's any opposition. I think people would love for us to be able to do more. Uh, being that this is a very start of the program, we really wanted to kind of ease our way into it, but still recognize the need to provide high-quality benefits for our employees. Um, what do the employees need to do in order to qualify? And so we, we have um, so we have a third-party vendor that does our FMLA process. So basically, they have to fill out their application. Uh, they'll have to get some type of certification from a doctor saying that they are, that they qualify for FMLA. And once they are qualified, uh, then the process proceeds. The cost for this benefit, what are we looking at as far as that's concerned? And so we're, we're estimating around $3 million, but it's, it's, a, it's a hard estimate. Uh, really, you know, FMLA, what we'll pay for is you know, people who are out, you know, they'll, just, they'll receive their leave. And so they don't have to dip into their vacation time or sick time, which they would normally have had to do when they were out. So it's really hard to say it's the pinpoint exactly what that cost will be. More your cost will be your ancillary costs. So if someone's out, you have people who are on overtime. Right. If someone's away, then you're trying to find people to fill those positions. So that's that's another part of the cost that we really, really have to really get into the program to really see what that effect will be. And this is another tool that will be used to help uh, attract and retain employees on the city level. Staffing has long been one of your concerns since you stepped into the role. How do you feel that's been addressed now when you look back at maybe uh, this point last year to the end of the year this year? And it's, I think it's really early. Uh, I think we're, 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 we're poised ourselves in a better position where I can say that our salaries are competitive. Uh, we poise ourselves where we can say that our benefits are competitive. Uh, the hope is as, we, as we've aligned our salaries and our benefits that we can now go out to better recruit employees and also retain employees. One of the hard things that happens, especially in uh, governments of our size, you know, as we have such an aging population that are retiring out, 
as you bring on 15 people, you lose 10. Or you bring on 12 and you lose 13. And so it's really hard to keep up. And so that's some of the things we've been struggling with is the, as, we're, as quickly as we're hiring people, people are leaving. And so hopefully with having some type of program that will also retain, that'll keep kind of stop that process and we'll be able to keep people and actually bring on new people onto the city. Any possible additional benefits for city employees that could be considered in the new year? Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that as we, as we get into the new year and kind of look at exactly what our budget capacity is. I mean, one of the things we also did this year, we added additional times for vacation. Uh, when we saw the increase occur with our sick leave, or not with sick leave, with our, with our health care, instead of, instead of sharing that cost to the employees, the city carried on that, oh, that cost 100% through the city. And so we've also added a, an additional holiday. And so we, we really looked at trying to increase our benefit package this year. Um, also approved by the council here this week, this is a good timely visit uh, to Carlin, is uh, the Gans Creek Recreation Area Project, which includes a playground for youngsters and a couple of shelters as well. Um, your enthusiasm and excitement about the recreation development. It's exciting. You know, it's one of those things where we're really looking at how can we provide the best amenities we can for our residents. And it, it, I, I, I was not able to make it to the council meeting. I, I, I got delayed in my, my flight home. But what I was told is we had a lot of youth in, the, in our council chambers who were really excited about you know, the bike trail. You know, you know, they, we have this biking community that really wants to go out and really enjoy nature. And so this allows us to do that. And the trail itself will have, like, uh, I guess, different paths depending on what level of expertise you possess? Yes, and and, 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 not all, and it will all be a natural nature trail. So it's not – we're not putting in uh, pavers. We're not putting in uh, asphalt. It's actual that natural trail that will allow bikers to actually enjoy the, the Gans Creek neighborhood. There was some opposition, some that were concerned due to environmental issues, uh, trail construction. I think some uh, pointed out possible erosion and that kind of thing. Uh, so there was a little bit of pushback. Uh, why did those who, you know, those who supported this project, why do you think it won out overall? Because uh, I think, you know, it really answers to that need for people to really enjoy nature. And, and, it, and also, it's not something that we do in a vacuum. So we, we did talk to the the, to the to the state park to make sure that we're not doing anything that's going to impede or impact the park. And so the idea is that we really want to provide an environment where young and old and all can enjoy that natural that natural nature area. And this does that. You know, uh, the city has, you know, at this point, pretty much long been uh, a home to a variety of fantastic parks and trails. And this certainly continues that trend. How important is it to you that uh, that remains a focus in the years to come? It's extremely important. You know, as we're as we not only grow, but try to bring on additional residents to our community, we have to have those amenities that people really want to see and really enjoy. And it, it's interesting when, when we've done some a couple of events where we've actually looked at trying to bring in department directors or bring in uh, different uh, groups. And you ask people, so what, what attracts you to Columbia? One of the number one things that people say is our parks. Right. You know, our parks, our parks are phenomenal and they provide that amenity and that benefit that our residents just enjoy. Uh, the project, the Gans Creek project, what's that budgeted at? 
Oh, you would ask a hard question. That's, that's the one number I do not, I do not have in front of well, me right Well, I think now. I could grab that real quick, but I guess maybe more in a general sense, what's paying for that? It's, paid, it's been paid through the park fund, so we have a park sales tax. And we also have some donations that that came in as well to support the park activity. So it's donations, it's sales tax, it's those amenities that will actually pay for this project. Let's see, I, 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 the dollar amount I come up with here is $380,000 for the project overall. Um, and how many miles of creek or, or trail are we talking about with this project? Seven miles. Wow. All right. So ground, uh, This uh, when, when do we start uh, moving forward on the project? So I actually, that's a good question. I actually talked to our parks director yesterday and asked that same question. And so I think there's a couple of things that we need to do, but so most likely it'll start uh, this spring. We'll start the construction. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby of the whole school. It yeah, just I hurt see. me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Looks like we have a caller. Good morning. You're on KFRU with the city manager. Do you have a question? Yeah, good morning. I'm curious, what is the city going to do with our nearly defunct railroad? It seems like that is a perfect trail in the making. And uh, yet, you know, certainly uh, uh, south of uh, 63 uh, on the other side of the Colt Bridge, I mean, there's no, no users. There's really no reason for it to be in existence. Power plant doesn't use it. Why aren't we doing something with that? All right. Fantastic question. And, caller, if you can go ahead and uh, hang up, we'll answer that question here on the air. Carlin, you got the question about our railroad. What's the uh, what's the focus on that moving forward? And what that gentleman said is exactly right. I mean, it, it is a perfect it is a perfect project for a trail, and that is actually something that we're looking at. Uh, it's trying to decide or figure out what the what the life of the coat railroad is. Uh, right now, we know with the construction that's going to happen on 70, where you know, the state has decided to to make 76 lanes all the way through, uh, that bridge is going to have to be replaced. And so do we replace it with a rail bridge or do we replace it with a trail? Uh, I, I think most people are leaning into trying to replace it with a trail. Uh, we are, you know, but we are taking time. We are going to have some communications. We're going to have some opportunities where people can kind of give us feedback on what they believe we should do. I, I, I believe that a trail would work there. It's something that we've talked about, and that's most likely where we're going to go, but we do need to take a little bit more time to get more information from our residents. All right. Good call. I appreciate that question. Let's uh, move on then to uh, the change at the uh, head of the department for the police there with Jill Schlutte now stepping into that role. And I got a chance to interview Jill in her new position here a couple weeks ago, and she referenced interest in um, a recruitment and retention plan for the department going into place here in the next 90 days. Your thoughts about that? Is that something that you would support? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's no, if you, if you look at uh, our, some of our history in our police department, uh, since 2017, we've had 128 officers leave. Uh, a third of those are through retirements. Uh, but, you know, there is a, definitely a need for us to not only bring on new officers, but retain the officers that we have. And so creating a process that will help uh, recruit and retain is extremely important. 
you know, we went through the whole cycle of attracting uh, possible interest in those who would want to step into that role as police chief. Uh, the decision here in the past month, and now that Jill has stepped into that position, uh, what is your sense of the morale within the department in the aftermath of that announcement? You know, I, I, I believe it's positive. Uh, I know I have not heard any negative uh, comments or negative concerns. I think, you know, as she stepped into that role, I think she has a vision. I think she has support of most of the officers on, on within the department. And so I believe that we'll be able to move forward in a positive, happy environment. All right. Well, uh, you know, the mayor just got back from her trip to Dubai, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this already, but I know a couple of months ago uh, you were involved with uh, going to the International City Managers Association meeting. I believe that was in Austin, uh, and you attended several sessions there. What were the what was the focus of those meetings? What topics were addressed? Also, the, the the sessions I attended were mostly dealing with community violence and dealing with the unsheltered population. Now, those are two of the things that are and affordable housing. Those three things are the things that are really impacting our community. And trying to see how other cities are tackling those concerns was extremely important to me. Well, when it comes to the issue of homelessness, uh, what was some of the feedback you got from the meeting on that? I noticed that we, uh, just a couple of days ago, cleared another camp out here locally. Yes, sir. And, and so we, we, we have to make sure that we're providing services uh, to the unsheltered. It's realizing that they are our citizens. And so it's just trying to figure out what can we do in order to provide the benefits that are needed. And so some of the things that some cities are doing, you know, they talked about you know, the tiny home developments and what do those look like and how do you manage those. Uh, they talk about you know, when, you, when you have a out, street outreach team, what does that look like and what needs to be put into that outreach team to actually go out and talk to those residents. And so it's, it's those fundamentals. It's having a plan on how we will address the unsheltered. And so those are the things that we're working on and that we will definitely be providing as we move toward into the future. The mayor had proposed a new office of violence prevention. Uh, DeCarlin, what's the status of that idea? And so we're, we're, we're still taking in information and we're still looking into it. Uh, my, my hope is that we'll have a plan fully realized by spring. Uh, the, the, and the idea of this office is to have someone who basically convene all our different non-for-profits that are, that are dealing in that space. You know, it's the people who do the midnight basketball. It's the people who are dealing with people who are recently incarcerated or recently. And it's, it's providing it's providing a mechanism so those different providers can actually get together on a regular basis and talk about what are they doing, what can they do to support each other to make sure that we're providing an overall approach to dealing with community violence within our community. City Manager, we just increased the maximum annual amount for an occupational business license here in Columbia. The reasons for that? Uh, sure. If you, if you look at our, um, if you look at our um, business license uh, ordinances, most of those hadn't been updated since 1964. Uh, so we we eliminated some out, outdated practices. Uh, we provided a process to allow for better communications. You know, in the ordinance, it talked about you know, communications that all had to be through snail mail. Well, you know, postal service is still utilized, but it's probably not the most ideal way to communicate. And so it's you know, allowing for those electronic communications. And also our fees that we've, been, that we've been charging are really outdated, and we want to align them with other communities in Missouri. 
how is that going to be phased in? Is that a lump sum, or are we going to do that in phases? We'll, we'll do it in phases. We'll do it over a three-year period of time. And for, and to be and I, I want to say that for the, for the majority of our businesses, they will not feel an effect. What it will affect is those businesses that are bringing in, you know, five hundred million dollars. Those higher-end organizations will be the ones who really see the lump sum of a uh, increase in costs. As we get ready to wind this down, you know, residents still have concerns when it comes to recycling here in the city. How are we going to be addressing that in the new year? And, that, and that's and that's that's one of the top priorities that we have. It's is uh, we because we've increased our pay, we hopefully can be able to hire additional CDL drivers so that we can have drivers who can help drive the trucks that can pick up the curbside recycling. And that's, that's the biggest impediment was that we were so low in our drivers that we didn't have the staffing to do it. Is. Um, my, hope, my hope is that with our new mechanism, we've, and we've seen it, we've seen more people apply. Uh, now it's just making sure that they have their CDLs or they're in the process of getting their CDLs so that we can bring them on board. Do we have the staffing uh, needed for our city buses for the new year? That's oh, so. If we once we look at actually increasing our ridership and increasing what we're doing for transit, we will definitely need more. We will definitely need more more bus drivers. We are we are low, and so we're going to have to do a real really large recruitment plan to bring on bus drivers. DeCarlin, what's on top of mind for you as we look ahead to twenty twenty four? I think it's it's kind of the things that we've talked about. Now it's looking at as we looked at you know, last year of actually providing the the benefits and pay for our employees. Though we really need to look at how we're going to recruit and retain our employees. Now, what does that recruitment effort look like, and how do we bring on those new employees to make them be part of the Columbia family? As we look at our unsheltered population, what are the things that we can do to provide housing? Because the goal is to put people in housing. Mm-hmm. And how, what does that look like, and how do we do that? Now, as we look at housing, period, how do we provide a, more of a housing stock for our residents? Now, it's it's interesting. I, I look at the growth in our community, and we look at the number of plats that are on every single city council meeting, the number of homes that are being built, and we're still not building enough to make sure that we can provide housing for all our residents. And so that has to be in our forefront of our, of our mind is how do we increase our housing stock? And on that thought, we'll have to conclude our conversation for this month. Carlin, I just want to say to you and your family, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I look forward to our visits here in 2024. Thank you, David, and enjoy your holiday. I plan to do just that. That is our city manager, everybody, DeCarlin Seawood, for our December visit with him. You're listening to a Columbia Morning on News Talk 98.9 FM and 1400 AM KFRU. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor, too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.